Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Kennedy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, May 11th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. The prices at the pump are higher than ever, and we may have to get used to it. Memorial Day weekend, we're going to be breaking more records. Um, And depending on how things go after that, you know, we should level off at that point. But, you know, we're not going to go down that much. We're in a new era of higher gasoline prices. I'm Lisa Brady. The issue that's firing up activists around the country might not be a sure thing at the polls in November. So it's not just as simple as saying, you know, do you support right to life or, you know, women's choice? It is much more complicated. And I'm Tammy Bruce. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. I have a question for you. So why do gas prices keep going up so high? They've hit record highs again this week. AAA has regular around 4.40 per gallon, but President Biden says oil prices have been steady lately. Unlike in March, when gas first spiked to a record, which he blames on... Mr. Putin's war in Ukraine. Russian oil is now banned here, and the president insists... Here at home, U.S. oil and gas production is approaching record levels. So he blames oil companies making record profits and Republicans for not embracing the need for clean energy. So, in the future... American families are no longer subject to the winds and of dictators halfway around the world. But GOP Senator Josh Hawley tells Fox... He's responsible for this inflationary binge. He's the one who's given it to us. Gas prices have been going up for an entire year and a half now under him. Diesel, also at a record high price. Well over five fifty a gallon. It's even worse for Mike Kucharski with JKC Trucking in Illinois. They haul produce, which needs to be refrigerated. The cooling unit runs on diesel also on top of the truck, so our costs are even further more than other truckers. He says their fuel costs are up 47% from a year ago. Yardeni Research estimates the average American family will pay $2,000 more this year for gasoline. This was an accident that's been waiting to happen, right? Phil Flynn is a senior market analyst with the Price Futures Group and a Fox Business Network contributor. The Biden administration, they want to call it the Putin price hike. Well, you know, we've been predicting that Joe Biden's energy policies was going to create record high prices when he got elected. So I call it the Biden price hike. Putin may have helped things along. But it was really Joe Biden that set the stage for these record high gasoline prices. Yeah, I know. And Republicans have been saying that as well, blaming his energy policies and all that with uh, especially I think the biggest thing was right away when he shut down the Keystone XL pipeline from continuing and being built. If that didn't happen, if we were in a world in which the Keystone XL pipeline was going to continue, where would that be about now? Will we be getting oil from Canada right now that we can't get uh, through pipeline? So we it would already be on the market. You know, the argument a few months ago, well, that pipeline wouldn't have even been built. Well, it would have been built by now. But if you add to the Keystone Pipeline you had 
the drilling moratorium. You had the discouragement of investment in fossil fuels, new regulations, new royalty taxes, all, everything that would just say to all investors, hey, in America, stay away from fossil fuel investment because the government has a, has, a, has a target on your back. They're going to tax you. They're going to regulate you. They're going to accuse you of price gouging. <laughs> they're coming after you. So stay away. All right. Now, the president has said, look, there are idled oil wells on federal land, and they're considering putting fees on the producers that aren't using them. And they also want to put fees on uh, acres of federal land that, say, oil companies might own that are not producing, that they're, they're not doing anything with that land. That's what the White House keeps saying. What's the story with that? The story is they're already paying fees for that land, so they're going to raise it more and discourage production. There's a lot of reasons why the drillers are not draw, drawing on a parcel of land. One of the easiest things is sometimes they buy them in bulk, and they don't even know if there's oil on that land, right? So okay. they have to do studies and stuff, and you know, or they're drilling on one part of the property but not the other parcel of property because some has oil and gas. And the other thing is, is that even if they wanted to drill, then the Biden administration's permitting process is so slow that it takes years you know, to get something going. Listen, there's no doubt about it on some of these federal lands that, that they, they want to lease out, that there is oil there that they could bring on a lot quicker than these leases that are already so-called not be used. But what really this is, it's just another tired talking point by the Democratic Party that they throw out every time they, they're concerned about oil prices to deflect blame from their policies. Now, one thing President Biden has been doing, tapping into the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve, a million barrels a day for six months. He started that late March, hoping to ease gas prices like he also tried to do back in November and in February. But again, we're at new record levels. It hasn't worked. And it's because it was the wrong prescription for the wrong disease. OK, uh, the war in Ukraine really didn't cut off oil supply to the U.S. or to the world. Uh, in fact, they're still importing Russian oil in Europe. Uh, so there wasn't a shortage of oil. The, the, the history of Biden with the strategic reserve, he started to release oil from the reserve in November, well before we were even concerned about Russia invading Ukraine. You know, he said right. at that time it was because gasoline prices were up and he tried to manipulate prices to send a message to OPEC because they wouldn't listen to him. Now he's releasing it because of the war of Ukraine. The thing is, is that the Strategic Petroleum Reserve was never built for that. OK, it's not big enough to, to do that. Back when it was filled to its capacity in December of 2009, uh, the Strategic Reserve held 727 million barrels of oil. Uh -huh. Now, at its capacity, the world basically, in rough numbers, when it's hidden on all cylinders, consumes more than that on a daily basis. So the whole world could wipe out the entire reserve, you know, in 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 a day, right? Wow, that's crazy. And yeah, it is crazy. You know, I mean, it's a percentage of the world supply. So um, actually, I should say in a week. I should say a week. It's oh, okay, about a hundred million barrels a day. So okay, okay, okay. Still crazy. Okay, so that still crazy, right? Exactly. So let me ask you this, because we, we, you and I have spoken about this before. People want the U.S. to be energy independent, and they don't want any, anybody else's oil coming in. But that's really not the way the oil market works, right? We refine not necessarily the oil we produce here, right? I mean, we, we need yeah. 
We need the foreign oil market. They need us. It's a it, 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 We don't work on our own here. You're right. I mean, you know, when you look at the global oil market, it really is uh, like a global super highway, right? Where oil products, depending on their quality and, and, for, and the demand for these products, uh, move from one part of the world to the other, right? And so when we talk about energy independence, we really look at net exports for the United States. Our refineries were really built based on imported oil. Then we had the shale revolution miracle, and we found a way to get oil out of shale. And the quality of that oil, though, is much different than the oil we were used to refining. So that type of oil really is better refined in other places like Europe, where their refineries were built for a lighter blend of oil. So we're in a much better case where we would normally export, you know, U.S. shale oil and import heavier oil. You know, you have this uh, symbiotic relationship in the global oil market. But if you stack back at the end of the day, when you control a bigger percentage of global production, you have a bigger say in the global oil price. And the the real reason why we had low inflation, you know, the last couple of years was because U.S. energy producers were so good at producing a lot of oil. We we're good at exporting a lot of oil. We we're good at exporting a lot of product. And we did that. Um, and it kept OPEC in check. Uh, and it helped grow our economy. All right. Now, gas prices, as we know, are at this new record level. We're getting into the summer. Usually that means the gas that is refined now, the gasoline used in the summer is a different formula, right? And then we always hear it's more expensive. Is that still the case? It is. Now, the Biden administration did issue some waivers on the amount of ethanol you can put into the gasoline, you know, for the summer. And uh, by doing so, they provided a little bit of cushion because on a hot summer day, anybody has filled up their gasoline tank. You know, you see those fumes coming out oh, of yeah. the gas tank. Oh, yeah. Well, that's evaporation rate. Right. And they formulate that so in the summer when it's hot it doesn't evaporate as much and it doesn't add as much pollution because that coming out of your gas tank is pollution coming out of the tank uh so those reformulated blends come into play but they're they're a lot more complicated to make you have to have specific refineries that do it and so you generally have those prices go up on top of that more people drive in the summer than they do in the winter. You know, people go on vacation. People are, you know, not, they're not afraid to be, you know, getting iced out on the roads and things. So right. I definitely, you know, you see the demand go up. So, so prices speaking, are probably going to go higher from here. They are. I mean, Memorial Day weekend, we're going to be breaking more records. Um, and depending on how things go after that, you know, we should level off at that point. But you know, we're not going to go down that much. We're in a new era of higher gasoline prices, and this is definitely going to keep the market on edge for sure. So let me ask you about diesel, because it's also so it's, it's had a much bigger surge year over year than regular gas. Why is that? A couple of reasons. Um, we've had a ban on Venezuelan oil that we traditionally used our refineries used to create a lot of diesel. They tried to replace that with Russia, you know, gas oil, which produces diesel, but because of the ban. So that's created a shortage. But it's not just a shortage here in the United States. It's really a global shortage. And so we're getting caught up in this diesel shortage around the globe. And that is a problem because 
all the shipping companies that have already had supply chain issues, they're paying diesel. Diesel's a very important fuel in the economy, is it not? It really is. It means that the cost of everything goes up, you know, and, you know, the way things are looking right now, it seems like it's going to be the energy that pushes, you know, pushes us into a recession because there's no quick fixes for all the problems that we should have seen coming months ago, right? Or years ago. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, the sad part about it is prices are probably just going to go up until companies say, Hey, that's enough. We can't afford it. And then prices then come back down. So you said this is a new era. Are we talking about $4 gas and $5 diesel for, for a while years? I think for years, unless we get into a, a big recession, I mean, the one thing that can bring down prices faster than, you know, drilling for oil is a slowdown in economic growth. And that's a big concern. If the Federal Reserve, on the other hand, is able to engineer a soft landing, that soft landing is going to have to include, you know, gasoline prices that are going to be close to four and five dollars a gallon and diesel prices, uh, you know, they're going to be near four or five dollars a gallon as well. Phil Flynn. Senior Market Analyst at the Price Futures Group, Fox Business Network Contributor. Good to talk to you again, Phil. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder this is tammy bruce with your fox news commentary coming up The abortion debate, stirred up by a leak at the U.S. Supreme Court, has quickly become a new round of finger-pointing over the tactics used by some protesters. These thugs have no business at the private homes of any government officials, these Supreme Court justices or anyone else. Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz accuses President Biden and the Democratic Party of turning a blind eye. But White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki accuses some conservatives of being hypocrites for calling out these protests. While remaining silent for years on protests that have happened outside of the homes of school board members, the Michigan Secretary of State. She also says the president believes violence, threats and intimidation have no place in political discourse. There's been a steady drumbeat of midterm elections messaging tied to abortion ever since the leak. The Democratic Party, President Biden himself, and the House Speaker all warning that other rights are at stake if Roe versus Wade falls. But could the full court press to capitalize on the issue backfire for Democrats? I don't know if it's going to backfire. I'm just not sure it's the silver bullet that Democrats, or at least some Democrats, think it is in terms of flipping the script on this year's midterms. Tom Bevin is the co-founder and president of Real Clear politics. You know, there was this thinking within the Democratic Party that this is one of those issues, unlike the other issues that they've faced, whether it's immigration or student loan debt or or uh, some of these other issues where the issue either pleased the base of the party, but alienated swing voters or please swing voters and alienated the base of the party. This was an issue that they thought would motivate both. Um, and it's a very complex issue. And it's also one that you know, is competing for 
primacy with with other potent issues. And, you know, someone who's a single issue voter on abortion is is already spoken for. I mean, if, whether they're a Democrat or Republican. So the question is, how many minds is this going to change and how salient is it going to be if voters are still in November facing six dollar gallon gas and eight percent inflation? So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. But I think the protests might backfire a little bit in terms of the aggressiveness with which some more progressive elements of the Democratic Party and more even militant elements of the Democratic Party have been outside Supreme Court justices' homes and obviously the bombing of the right to life organization in Wisconsin. I mean, those are the kind of things that will alienate voters and turn them off from this issue because they don't want to see that. Yeah. Has the White House taken a strong enough stand against that violence? You know, Jen Psaki released a tweet and then said from the podium that, you know, the president, obviously in the White House, they don't condone violence and, you know, want only peaceful protesting. But, you know, she was asked about this last week and didn't say anything, just said there's a lot of passion among people on this issue. I really thought it was a statement that should have been made five, six days earlier. And so, you know, by the time they got around to saying it, you know, the signal had already been sent. The White House keeps pointing to polls showing that a majority of Americans favor a woman's right to choose. But what about the broader argument they're also trying to make that other rights could be in jeopardy? You know, is that a winning argument? You know, I don't think so. I mean, look, the abortion fight is one that's been going on in this country for 50 years. You know, the right to life movement is a huge movement that, you know, has been fully developed and and very passionate. There just isn't an equivalent push anywhere in the country among anyone to do any of the things that Democrats are accusing, you know, Republicans of outlawing gay marriage or interracial marriage. I mean, these things like nobody's in favor of that. There is no movement for that. And so. Right. Under the broader under the broader umbrella of sort of personal privacy is what the president keeps going back to. Yes. And this idea Our mayor, Lori Lightfoot, tweeted out, you know, this is a call to arms against the Supreme Court to all of her LGBTQ plus colleagues that it's it's time to stand up. I mean, I don't think that's going to sell with the American people because I think that's just too dramatic, too overwrought. And I think the public is smart enough to see through that. For many people, abortion does tend to be a more nuanced issue. There was a Fox News poll that found 63 percent want the Supreme Court to let Roe versus Wade stand. But 54 percent also said they would support their state banning abortion after 15 weeks. So for the White House, for Democrats, it seems, you know, not always as simple as saying the people are with us on this issue. That's right. As I said earlier, and you just point out, it is a complicated issue. I mean, in general, there's a broad support for women's choice on the issue. But if the question is, do you support abortions all the way up to the moment of birth? Massive majorities are against that. So it's not just as simple as saying, you know, do you support right to life for you know women's choice? It is much more complicated and nuanced. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the public is not and it's not really the public's fault. It's, it's the fault of the media for not communicating properly and the spin that goes into it. But overturning Roe v. Wade is not outlawing abortion all across the country. It'll be left up to the states to decide. And so you will have some states will outlaw it. I'm sure some there are some deep red states that will push for an outright ban on abortion. And obviously, in deep blue states, you will have abortion as 
very non-restrictive abortion policies in places like Illinois and California, New York, et cetera. And in some of the more, uh, you know, purplish states, I'm sure you'll have some policies that end up somewhere in between. So the idea that somehow when this happens, the day that this ruling officially comes out, that we are back to the 1800s and it's the handmaiden's tale. I mean, you know, they're creating expectations that will not be met. And that's going to be a political problem for them as well. This all fueling debate in Congress about what could be done nationally, uh, the Senate Democrats working on trying to make uh, abortion rights part of federal law. The Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, has suggested uh, there could be an effort to have a national abortion ban. Um, And each side pretty much accuses the other of extreme views on this issue, (laughs) right? So (laughs) it's kind of like, does that mean that each side also risks going too far or miscalculating what the public wants? Sure. I mean, this is one of those issues where, you know, you have people on either side that are very, very passionate about it. And they have also staked out the most extreme positions and they are the loudest in the debate. But the vast majority of the public is somewhere in the the huge middle. They may support, you know, a woman's choice, but only up until a certain period of time. They may call themselves pro-life, but allow for, you know, exceptions for rape and incest. So there's a whole spectrum of opinion and positions on this that Americans have that are not represented by the debate that takes place in Washington and in the media. And as a consequence, you have, as you pointed out, Democrats moving forward to try and codify Roe v. Wade, knowing that they don't have enough votes to do it. And you have Mitch McConnell sort of inexplicably putting his foot in it and suggesting that somehow Republicans are going to push a national abortion ban. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they would have the votes for it either, quite frankly. So even in the Senate that they controlled after November. Um, so as a result, uh, to your point, the discussion does not mirror where the public is, <laughs> the vast majority of the public is on this issue. On Tuesday, Senate Minority Leader McConnell batted down talk of pursuing a national abortion ban, telling reporters... I think the sentiment in my conference is for this issue to be dealt with at the state level. While Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer doubled down on criticism of the Supreme Court's conservative majority. This is a giant step backwards in the rights of women and the rights of Americans. He says if enacted, the decision would live in infamy. A new poll from Yahoo News and YouGov finds confidence in the court dropping from 70 percent with some or a lot of confidence in the court down to 51 percent over the past 20 months as a conservative majority was formed. Is that dangerous for the Supreme Court or for either party? Well, it's dangerous for the country because the Supreme Court is one of the institutions that you know needs to have the trust and respect of of the public, given their role in our you know democracy in our constitutional republic. So, and this is something you know Gallup has tracked these numbers as well, and it's something that's been not just the Supreme Court, quite frankly, across a whole host of institutions, whether it's Congress, the presidency, news media, business. Uh, the Supreme Court has suffered about a 10, 12 point drop in the last 20 years. It seems to have accelerated in part because of the way that that uh, the court has. Well, the the uh, nomination process has taken place. Right. You know, Democrats are furious that Mitch McConnell wouldn't give Merrick Garland a hearing. Republicans are furious at the way that the you know nominees have been treated, particularly Brett Kavanaugh. And then you've got, you know, this leak this violation, unprecedented violation of the trust 
and norms of the Supreme Court only exacerbates the idea that uh, people are losing trust in the institution. And that's a problem for our for our democracy. But it's it's hard to see how how that perception has changed, because it's just, again, across the board, we've seen all of our institutions are are viewed as being politicized, whether it's the intelligence services, you know, all of these institutions that are supposed to be sort of above and beyond the daily grind of our partisan politics have been absorbed into them. And, and as a result, you know, they're, they're in danger. There's an Axios piece that suggests Republicans aren't feeling as confident about the midterms after this Supreme court leak, um, possibly because of, you know, what could be a disconnect between the way the base reacts to the issue and the way swing voters, um, might feel about it. Uh, it's does it again really all come down to what's happening in November? How bad are gas prices then? How bad is inflation in general then? Um, because that's still the number one issue that people talk about in the polls, right? It is uh, by a huge margin. I mean, two, three times, depending on which poll you're looking at, inflation is is the number one issue. And in the poll, you know, Quinnipiac poll that came out just before the leak of the Supreme Court. Abortion was ranked tied for ninth out of 13 issues that were offered to voters as their main concern. Inflation was number one at 31 percent. Immigration was number two at 10 or 11 percent. And so abortion was way down the list. Now, it's obviously going to be much, much higher in the next round of polling. But the question is, how, how high does it rise? How long does it stay there? There doesn't seem to be any indication that it's going to drop in any significant way before the election. And, and the other problem for Democrats is that Uh, A lot of the perceptions about the election are formed right now. It's not going to matter if if the last reading we get before the election on inflation is a drop of one percent or something that will be heralded as good news. But it you know isn't going to change the outcome because people's perceptions are already locked in. And and so for that reason, I think again the abortion issue might play uh, you know on the margins, but it is not it is not going to be the silver bullet that flips the script. Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely, Lisa. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tammy Bruce. What's on your mind? It is now revealed that the Biden administration, which has brought us an Orwellian disinformation board that they insist will not be used against American citizens, was purchasing cell phone location data and movement information to surveil American citizens during the COVID crisis. How many times did we hear that anyone concerned about digital vaccine passports and lockdowns being used as an excuse to surveil our private lives and movement was a nutty conspiracy theorist? Lo and behold, it seems like that is exactly what is happening. Ostensibly to track compliance with lockdowns. In this case, the CDC tracked people wherever they went, including schools, church, and even when visiting neighbors using cell phone tracking data. 
The investigative website Vice broke the news reporting, quote, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention bought access to location data harvested from tens of millions of phones in the United States to perform analysis of compliance with curfews, track patterns of people visiting K through 12 schools, and specifically to monitor the effectiveness of policy in the Navajo Nation. The documents also show that although the CDC used COVID-19 as a reason to buy access to the data more quickly, it intended to use it for more general CDC purposes. So where do we start? The issue here is that a government bureaucracy believes surveilling the American people en masse was a perfectly fine thing to do, you know, in the name of safety. We know the Democrats never want to let a good crisis go to waste. For them, every crisis presents an opportunity to do the worst thing possible. In this case, it was sweeping away the rule of law and constitutional order simply because they could. Is your blood boiling yet? It should be. Reasonable people could surmise that this is a dry run of a disgraceful and illegal effort by the government to normalize the tracking of individual Americans, categorizing them and using that information for law enforcement and even for political organizing purposes. The CDC clearly feels they are above the law and other constitutional decencies and was perfectly comfortable initiating mass surveillance on innocent people living their lives. The question now becomes, what's tracked next? What about parents attending a school board meeting? Or how about people visiting a gun store? Or how about individual tracking of people who attend a Trump rally? Remember, the Biden administration is challenging the overturning of the mask mandate, not because it's imperative to your health. In their statement, they said they were doing it to preserve the CDC's authority to do whatever they deem necessary during an emergency. The good news is it's now clear there must be legislation to stop this repugnant practice in its tracks. The Just the News website reported Senator Rand Paul, a fierce protector of freedom and privacy, says it is time to ban federal agencies from being able to track Americans' behavior by buying their cell phone location data from commercial vendors. He said, when the government is trying to snoop on your behavior, it's wrong and there should be a law against it. This is a bill languishing in Congress called the Fourth Amendment is Not for Sale Act, stopping the federal government from buying location information without a warrant. Contacting your representatives is imperative so they know you are aware of what's happening and that this end run against the Fourth Amendment must be stopped in its tracks. This is Tammy Bruce, Fox News contributor. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at guybensonshow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.